from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We're glad to have you all listening as we launch our 25th year on the air here on the Bishop's Hour. And thanks to all of you who have helped us get here, including our underwriters, including Bishop Wiegand, whose idea it was, and uh, Monsignor Murphy at the time was a big, big uh, help, uh, and uh, Mons- uh, uh, Father Sylvester McDermott, uh, the late Father Sylvester McDermott, also a big help, and then Bishop Soto, who picked it up and just has really been a great supporter of Catholic Radio, both uh, the Bishop's Hour and and Radio Santissimo Sacramento, our uh, Spanish-language sister station here in the Diocese of Sacramento. But most importantly to you, the listeners, and, of course, our wonderful guests. And speaking of that, we're pleased to welcome in Father Michael Kiernan. Father, good day to you. Good day to you, Bob, and all your listeners. You sound you sound like you're right in the room with us, Father. That's very oh, good. good. Very good, very good. So... We have some uh, new equipment here at the Bishop's Hour, and we're, every now and then we're testing it out, and uh, you sound tremendous. So welcome. Oh, uh, good. You and I both uh, were lucky enough last week to attend a wonderful event uh, sponsored by the Exodus Project, uh, uh, a dinner, a fundraising dinner. But it was, uh, for me, a very moving uh, evening hearing the, the testimonials from some of the people that are involved in the Exodus Project, but especially from those who have been helped by the Exodus Project. Uh, I, I just th- think that's a wonderful, wonderful program sponsored by the Diocese of Sacramento. It is an interfaith uh, uh, program as well, and also, the obviously, the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Um, your impressions of that dinner? Well, it was indeed, as you say, a marvelous evening. Uh, just uh, can't say enough about it, and the various sharings, like you say. And then uh, Bishop Wigan and Bishop Soto's uh, comments about his own experience mm-hmm. going out to greet a person being released uh, in the middle of the night. That was just a wonderful um, sharing. And then the other follow-ups from the individual people. It was uh, very life-giving. And just the whole atmosphere there was uh, positive and hopeful. Yes, you know, Bishop Soto had explained that when he was a uh, a priest in Orange County, he uh, a, a parishioner had been incarcerated for a short period of time and was going to be released on his own recognizance, and so he and his but he wasn't going to be released till two a.m. and he and and the man's wife waited in their car for him to come out for for a good long period of time, and. He said, while we waited, we noticed people being released and just sort of walking off into the night. Nobody picked them up. They didn't have any place to go. They didn't have a place to sleep or eat or uh, any job prospects. And it was, and they started something, I believe, called Lights On, where they put a mobile home out there in the parking lot outside the jail and had the lights on all night and had a place for someone could have a cup of coffee and maybe get some help or some advice or some direction or just a friend. And um, he likened this program to, to that in Orange County. And it was very moving, very, very moving. It was. And, of course, then the next steps that have been taken by the bishop and uh, uh, all who have been involved in it, the mentors, uh, uh, and the, the man from Reading there who shared uh, yes. his story and how he really went down, but then how he got... Um, back on his um, feet. And actually, I knew the, his father and mother very well. Oh, you did? They were, lived in Reading when I was there and very distinguished uh, people in that community. And uh, so I was delighted to talk to him afterwards and and uh, hear a little bit more about uh, his parents' uh, passing and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that you had known him. I knew, of course, that you had been in Reading. Wow. I, I, as well, talked to him afterwards, and uh, he has agreed to come on the Bishop's Hour uh, to tell his story at some point. And, and, Wonderful. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he was so—it's hard to explain. He was so raw and real and 
it was it was just you could so relate to him and to hear his story and uh, it wasn't exactly a rags to riches story but it was uh uh, uh alone and and not really desperate but alone and hopeless almost and he kept using that word backup it was so nice to know i had some backup i had a phone number i could call and there was a real human being there that would help me and meet with me and give me advice and give me direction and maybe give me a bus pass or a hotel room for the night uh, just and, and help me find a job. It was so, it really convinced me of the tremendous value of something like the Exodus Project. Yes, it was a beautiful thing. And, uh, and the others, and then, of course, Rita Spallan giving her yes. presentation at the end of encouragement and support for this cause. So what a beautiful uh, thing that the Bishop and St. Vincent de Paul have put together in uh, the last couple of years, I guess. Yeah, it's just it's uh, um, just wonderful to, to see that there is a program like this, and they're, they, I mean, they initially it was just kind of getting people from out of prison and connecting them with a, with a mentor who could kind of help them and you know, have coffee with them and try to be a, be a, a shoulder to, to lean on or a friend in need sort of thing uh, with certain guidelines, obviously, and has now expanded very quickly to uh, involve getting jobs and getting housing and, and getting, uh, you know, drug counseling and mental health counseling, because all of those are parts of the puzzle. And if one part of that falls apart, pretty much the whole thing falls apart. Well, it's a beautiful thing. And certainly it shows the importance of our faith and how faith and practice can be an enormous help to not only the church, but society and poor people who are having a difficult time. Yes, indeed. Indeed. It's, it's uh, wonderful to see and uh, good for all the people. I mean, there were DAs and public defenders and judges and attorneys and uh, people uh, there that all, all for one cause, all to, uh, to help people who, who need help. And, you know, it's it. It always struck me with Matthew twenty five. You know, the, the there were the obvious. You know, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. You know, uh, welcome the stranger. All those things. Visit those in prison. You know, <laughs> it's not a it's not one that rapidly comes to mind of uh, the, you know the charitable acts you should do, and yet in our faith tradition, our, our bishops are very good about going to, going to prison and, and, and uh, celebrating Mass or just meeting with the people on a regular basis. I know Bishop Soto does that very regularly, and, and uh, it's, it's, just, it's just part of what we do. And, to, uh, and, and, and Matthew 25 doesn't say visit the prisoners because they're wrongfully incarcerated or because they didn't really do it, or it just says visit them. They need you. They, they need you. Well, one of our great priests died a few, almost a year ago now, Father Tom McGuire. Right. He had been a uh, chaplain, of course, at Folsom Prison, and a few years before that was Father Dennis Keeney, and we've had so many priests who have served as chaplains uh, in various uh, conservation camps and jails mm -hmm. and prisons, and uh, it is a most worthwhile experience, and for those who can't actually do that, then the Exodus program, you could become a mentor or you could um, uh, help the, the program financially to right. uh, keep it going and have staff. And if anybody has any questions, all they'd have to do is call the Diocese of Sacramento right? and they would be able to put them in touch with uh, the program, how it works and what it means and so on and so on. Right, you call call the diocese or go to uh, scd.org, which is Sacramento Catholic Diocese, and and uh, Exodus Project will be uh, right there. And how you can contribute, how you can become a mentor, they will have uh, mentor training in December. Uh, it's about 16, 18 hours of training over two weekends, and pretty intensive training by by experts about how to go. I mean, I can I, I feel like a babe in the woods. Like I wouldn't know how to be a mentor save my life and uh yet 
it would be comforting to know that they're going to have this intensive training to show me the, the do's and the don'ts and how you go about this and what works and what maybe yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. And that training is uh, not only wonderful from that point of view, but one learns so much oneself. I went through that training about two years ago. Oh, and, did you? Uh, it was, at that time, they used to have it like six nights or eight nights, ten nights maybe, uh, two hours like a Thursday mm-hmm. night or something, but now they've refined it. And But uh, whenever one goes to any of those things, Bob, one enriches oneself. I mean, it's not for that purpose, but uh, the more you learn about these things, the better person you become. Right. And so you can help others, but also... Uh, be a better person yourself. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and 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 uh, Rabbi Seth told me the other day on on the air that they are now um, going to start a program in Solano County, which would be out of uh, Fairfield, where the county jail for Solano County is. So that's a, a, a step for expansion. And of course, we've got uh, twenty counties in the diocese of Sacramento, all with county jails and sheriffs and probation departments and everything else. So. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. Lots to be done, and of course the important thing is just do what you can, and as Mother Teresa used to say about when uh, she was taking care of one person and somebody said, well, what's that about? What good is this? She said, well, it's good to this guy. Yep. And so I think the same could be said for this program. Uh, We can't fix the world, but we can do a little better in one or two or three cases. Yeah, and you know, the the and if we all did one or two or three cases, it would be a heck of a lot better world. And, you know, and the, the other thing, the flip side of this is that it makes society better. It, it serves the common good to help these people. Um, it reduces the rate, of hopefully, of recidivism dramatically, I would think. And uh, that's better for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we've had now in those different uh, gatherings that we uh, have over the last two or three years, uh, stories of real success of uh, people really getting back on their feet. And as we saw with that man in uh, Reading, he got his truck back, he got his livelihood back. Uh, and uh, as you say, he's a productive person in society. And that was the case with many, many reports we had. Yeah, in fact, I was talking to a young man at the conclusion of the dinner, um, a very well-spoken young man, and and, uh, he told me he had uh, two young boys, uh, I think nine and and ten years old, and um, and we were chatting, and he's working with the Exodus Project, and and he's just... We were joking because somebody had been talking about the Sacramento Kings. It was opening night, and... I, and it was, this man was very tall, and I said, you look like you could play for the Kings. And he said, oh, I used to play basketball. Indeed, I did in high school. And he said, then I spent 10 years in prison. And I went, oh, my goodness. And we chatted, and I didn't pursue what, why he was in prison. And, and he said, now he's a student at UC Davis. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. That's quite a transition. Mm-hmm. Part of a, a program called Underground Scholars, and I, I didn't even know such a such a program existed. And obviously, it probably it's for very few people, and I'm sure they have to meet a lot of requirements. But what a what a great great way to turn your life around. Beautiful. Well, that's a great story in itself, Bob, and what a blessing for our listeners to hear this and see what good can be done. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And, and We're a people of hope, as Pope uh, John Paul II used to say, and uh, Easter is our song, and, you know, overcoming uh, sin and death is uh, the core of our our faith. Indeed, indeed. And we have to make that a reality and also believe that it can happen in the sense that um, to make our faith real, we have to be able to... Uh, Trust that God can work miracles in people's lives, uh, and often through our little efforts. Yeah, you know, the, the, you can never uh, throw away a life, or you know, lock somebody up and throw away the key. You can't do that. And uh, 
Um, our faith teaches us otherwise. It teaches us that we're all made in the image and likeness of God and that we're all his children. So um, it's, us, it's up to us to treat each other like that. And, um, Indeed. And, you know, and just as a, as a, a, a bonus, the food was pretty darn good at the, at the dinner as well. Oh, the whole, uh, yeah. And the fellowship and the, the fellowship type of people actually was, that yeah. come to a gather like that, yep. you know, uh, the people there are of one heart and one mind and, yep. uh, humble and, uh, you know, desiring to be gentle and caring and, and just bringing those qualities that are so needed in our society to the fore. Yeah, you know, I, I walked out into the night, Father, and it was like I was walking on air. It was like, wow, there's 100 people in that room that really have very big hearts and good minds and and are using them for good. And, you know, the people that mostly uh, Rabbi Seth has working with them there right. as staff, I was so impressed by them, too. They're very young, and right. sometimes we think of, young people as, you know, just troublemakers or whatever. But there's an awful lot of good young people. And uh, I was just noticing there this afternoon, uh, my uh, religious education director was talking to a young woman and I just came into the room where they were. And uh, I couldn't, uh, I was just delighted with the uh, conversation of this young woman. And, you know, she really had a great ability to communicate with this older lady. And sometimes I think we think young people are no good or they don't know what to do or they don't care. But uh, there's an awful lot of good out there. And I always encourage people wherever you meet a, a young person, uh, I mean, even in their, you know, in their teens or even their 20s, encourage them because you know, that can be a big help to them because they often maybe feel inferior themselves. Mm -hmm. and not much good and what can I contribute? But then when they see their own work, but that's what I saw in his staff there that they're bringing a, a lot to the table with helping these people and serving them and caring for them. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I brought one of my daughters who she's 20 years old and a, a junior uh, in college at UC Davis. And, and she uh, had been at UC Santa Cruz and got involved in a class that uh, visited the president Soledad and decided mm. decided that she that was the kind of work she wanted to get involved in. And so she was she was very impressed with what happened at the dinner as well. So, um, well, your uh, children actually, Bob, must be. Uh, uh, I'm sure they're very grateful because uh, I often think of the opportunities they've had over many years, different ones you bring to St. Vincent de Paul dinners or right. uh, Bishop Gallegos dinners or pro-life dinners or life center dinners or this type of thing, Exodus or other events to do MC. And they get to see the church at its best. Yes. Boy, that's well said. That's well said. And then, you know, they all saying monkey see, monkey do. Yep. <laughs> well, then they can see this same example and they just can eat it up, you know, and uh, and make it part of themselves and see that I could do that. Uh, mm -hmm. And when I get older, I'll be able to contribute like these older people are doing here. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, Yeah. beautiful, yeah. Well, Father, Credit I, to you there for that. Yeah, we're, uh, oh, thank you. It's, it's a joy. It's a complete joy. It, mm -hmm. here, we, here we are. We've already passed All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Thanksgiving is staring us in the face, and then Advent. I can't believe it's. I feel like a week ago it was ninety-five degrees out. Well, indeed, yeah, and now it's it's rather cold. And but again, what a beautiful time we have lying ahead of us. Uh, yes, you know, in our faith, in uh, this beautiful time of Advent and the readings that challenge us. You know, a lot of the readings are about end times and mm -hmm. which we should not see as negative or painful, but as just a good reminder of uh, the, you know, and the all saints that we just celebrated and the all souls, you know, to think that um, when we celebrated all saints, that uh, you and I, Bob, and everybody else that's listening here, young or old, we're all, you know, on our way to that same glory in heaven. 
right. as we celebrated for the Saints a couple of days ago. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, we don't want to ever not being proud or we're not being, you know, whatever, but we're just um, accepting the reality that Christ has called us this holy life and that if we live uh, despite our weaknesses and sins, uh, we seek forgiveness and reconciliation and live our baptism and receive, you know, celebrate the Eucharist and try to do something like we thought about the Exodus or love our family, then we're on our way to heaven. Yeah, and you know, as you're talking, I I, uh, I think about that song, you know, when the saints come marching in, oh, how I want to be in that number when the saints come marching in, you know. It, yeah. it brings tears to my eyes to think about that. It does. I always remember years ago, maybe 40 years ago now, I was in a parish up north, uh, diocese, and this uh, man was the janitor and uh, a nice, humble, simple, uh, lowly type person, you know, just uh, who did a great job with the janitorial work. But he came in to me uh, all sad one morning and he somehow got the notion that his name was not going to be in the book of life. Oh, wow. And so he said to me, Father, almost in tears. He was in tears, actually. Father, he said, I, I want to have my, book, my name in the book of life. I want to have my name in the book of life. Uh, what can I do? And so we talked about faith and living his faith, and that if he kept on doing the janitorial work as well as I saw him doing it and loving his wife and family, then I didn't see any reason why he wouldn't be in the book of life. God, you don't, there's no uh, requirement that you have to be a CEO or a, uh, <laughs> a yeah, no, uh, hit a home run in the World Series. Every you could imagine, like, you know, uh, uh, even some who are prisoners and some who are all sorts of uh, villains, uh, uh, not to mention, of course, the fellow on the cross, but uh, the very first day, you know, uh, the good thief. Uh, so yep. Yep. here he gets in uh, after all his bad stuff. Uh, so this man, anyway, thank God he went away, I think, convinced that uh, if he lived a good holy life and followed Jesus, he would have his name in the book of life, and he was all set to go do it. Yeah, uh, the good thief. Today you be you will be in paradise with me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's what we have now at Advent, and then, uh, you know, the glorious, wonderful event of Christ coming to be with us so that we could be with him. And uh, he partook in our nature so that we could participate in his nature. And so we have that beautiful thing to meditate on now with the uh, readings and the old antiphons of, Ant of, of Advent and you name it, just one good thing after another. So when you were growing up as a young boy in, in Ireland, uh, describe Advent there. Was it... Uh something that it was a big deal was it like it is here was it what was it like well it always was a little bit like a, a small a small version of lent you know yes right. it was supposed to give up a few things but it didn't have the intensity of lent right uh, and of course uh, i can still remember the weather being miserable and cold <laughs> and days short and all that but uh, there was of course looking forward to the excitement of uh, of christmas and uh, I can remember going with my mother uh, to purchase, as she used to call them, the Christmas things, mm -hmm. the Christmas things. And so we had uh, horse and buggy. Uh, we didn't have cars then. At least we didn't have anyway. And so this uh, horse would be all got ready, and this uh, we'd head off, and all this stuff would be. And there'd be all those people lined up maybe for it might be 10 or 20 from the front as you waited your line to get in and then you get all your stuff and, uh, and away you go home and uh, then couldn't wait to get on to the eating of it, which would be a day or two later or a week or two later. <laughs> <laughs> so Advent, yeah, it was a simple life back then, of course. Uh, uh, went to church every Sunday anyway and uh, the Sunday readings, uh, in some ways, you know, church changes, but it doesn't never change. No, it, the, the church doesn't. Uh, the institutional church, uh, you know, has to to uh, be relevant for the people of the time. 
but it doesn't need to change. The beliefs don't change. Jesus Christ doesn't change, you know. Um, well, there's that, and then, um, you know, the four Sundays of Advent, there, there was four back then, and there's four there's now, four and now, I think yep. uh, 500 years from now, there'll be four Sundays of Advent. <laughs> That's right, and it doesn't matter how early Thanksgiving is, we're still going to have four Sundays of Advent. Yeah, this is going to be quite a turnover this year with uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent. It's going to be Christmas Eve. Yes, yeah. So we'll have a Advent Christmas or Advent morning, and then change the church around and take down all the purple and put up all the white and all decorate the church. And so uh, from the last mass of uh, say noontime or whatever. And then get ready for the vigil bath of uh, Christmas, and it's going to be a hectic Sunday afternoon. Yes, yes, indeed. So actually, uh, ten. So the Sunday after Thanksgiving this year is not the first Sunday of Advent, I don't believe. Well, the first Sunday of Advent is going to be the third. The yeah, third. So, so it's not. The, the, and yeah. Thanksgiving is no. the twenty-third. Usually, it's the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, we'll have Christ the King, of course, uh, uh, on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And right. That's always a beautiful feast. And then into the four Sundays of December 3 and 10 and 17 and 24. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, the cathedral. I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, how to pull it all together and so on. And uh, look forward to that happy time. Yeah. Talk about the cathedral at Christmas time. That must be one of the most visited places in Sacramento, I would think, during, well, all the time. But, but I mean, it's a tourist attraction beyond being a very holy space. But I, I would think at Christmas time, you're seeing a lot of people come in there. Oh, yes. And uh, actually, one of the things I often notice, I do a lot of, I nearly always do the confessions on Saturday afternoon at the cathedral. And it's surprising the number of people who are in and out there and are looking around and are taking pictures and are not sure what they're doing exactly, you know, but they're having some sort of an experience of the cathedral. And one of the things I love to do uh, once I finish my confessions uh, at around five o'clock there, and depending on, of course, the time of year, but well, the lights are on anyway, but, uh, but just to sit there at the back of the back pew and uh look up at the cathedral and tabernacle and you know, all the variety of beautiful things. Uh, I often think to myself, you know, uh, this is just a little taste of heaven. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh... So I'd encourage our people to go to the cathedral wherever they can, especially, you know, the 10 o'clock mass uh, there with the full choir. Uh, that's a marvelous uh, mass. Uh, a lot of the time, Father Michael himself, director, is the one who does it, and mm -hmm. uh, great singing and all that. Some is the bishop, of course, uh, one of the bishops. Uh, but uh, then Christmas, of course, uh, Bishop Soto will be there for the uh, midnight mass, and what a beautiful uh, event that is. I remember a number of years ago, uh, I, I believe it was St. Patrick's uh, Academy had had uh, uh, readings and carols, um, on a during during Advent, but like on a weeknight, and, yes. and they had their their little choir there, and uh, they would ask various of us, and I was lucky enough a couple of times to be asked. Uh, usually, people that were on TV or the radio or in the newspaper. Uh, I remember Marcos Breton from the B and Walt Gray from from the TV and uh, other people like that. Uh, Tom Sullivan from the radio. Uh, would we we'd each do a re, we'd do a reading and then the choir would sing a song that, that uh, dealt with the reading and then the, the next one and I remember yes. remember ascending there to, for my turn and looking out and I thought I mean my heart was just beating out of my chest you know you're a little bit nervous but mostly just the the grandeur the 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 house of the Lord the you know and and everybody's waiting for you to speak, you know. Yeah. It's almost overwhelming. Well, there's many things like that, and you know, with the challenges we have in the church today and society and stuff like that, it's so important for our people to be 
doing things like that and taking ownership. I know it's very hard with the commercialization and wanting to get ready for meals and make Christmas beautiful for everybody. But still, um, it would be a great thing if uh, we could discipline ourselves to just rejoice in the real meaning of it and even, even in a small way to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So Christmas morning in in uh, in Ireland, mass obviously. Oh yeah. Uh, now of course uh, back then you know we didn't have the midnight stuff like we have, mm-hmm. like we have today, and of course everything was in Latin then, and generally speaking at our uh, church, nobody went. To, well, people went to communion uh, at the first mass, which was probably eight or so, but then the 10 o'clock mass or later on mass was only the one, there was only two, hardly anybody went to communion because <laughs> there was a 12 hour fast and so on. Oh wow. So, yeah. uh, but on Christmas day we could say three masses and the priest would be uh, anxious, would be, well, would be saying three masses. And so they would be just bang, bang, bang. And if you were the server, then you were there for the three masses and <laughs> Uh, he shortened up the second mass a little bit, and he shortened up the third mass even a little more, because uh, well, obviously there was no homily and there was no, uh, you know, some of the things were a little bit, there no collection or right. stuff like that, and generally there was less people for communion and so on. So I remember those three masses and being a server and uh, trying to make sure we didn't make too many mistakes. <laughs> did, 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 <laughs> did you feel being an altar server uh, was was a, a path to the priesthood for you? Uh, I don't know if it was that, uh, Bob. Uh, actually, I don't think I had a great experience being an altar uh-huh. server because <laughs> we had a priest who was sort of rather harsh. And to tell you the truth, it, it helped me a great deal because I, I mean, an altar server now could almost jump up on the altar and I, I wouldn't do anything to him right there because right. Uh, I had that experience of the, of the priest, uh, not so much myself, but I know one boy being grabbed by the ear because he did something wrong. And uh, so I always have this uh, great uh, concern never to, uh, you know, make the altar server look foolish or dumb right. or right. Because, uh, Back then, actually, it was a big job. Uh, I mean, oh, it's, sure. It's a lot now, but it was, you know, you had to move the book and you had to do this and do that and from one side of the altar to the other. And, and uh, of course, the Mass was in Latin, so you didn't know they can feed here and all that. But uh, I was lucky most of the time that uh, the priests that I had were, were quite nice. But I'm not sure exactly what motivated me to be a priest in the sense it wasn't any particular thing. It was... Probably if there was any one thing more than anything else, it was uh, the experience of a priest called Father Phil McGee, who was a a high school teacher. And he was just a great gentleman and a great scholar. And he used to encourage us to uh, be outspoken. And he would get us into arguments about sports and about anything that he could get us into to get us talking and have confidence in ourselves and uh, public speaking and stuff of like that, and I, amazingly, he died within, my gosh, a year I think of uh, my being ordained, and he was a young man. I think he was only in his fifties, but he was a lovely man, and so I think of him. Uh, by the way, I should say about speaking of priests. Now uh, we lost two great uh, priests uh, just this week, Father uh, John Sullivan. Right. Uh, who was buried today, and uh, then Father Aidan O'Reilly, who was buried way back in Cavan County in uh, Ireland, uh, who had been a priest up in Burnie hmm. and Mount Shasta and right. all those areas for many years. Oh, most, both of them were just gentle, loving, kind, holy men. Yeah, they were. They, they were. They both. They were both wonderful men. We've had. So many, uh, especially so many from the old country. Um, yes. Uh, in in uh, your your generation, my generation, uh, when I was growing up in the Diocese of Sacramento, 
the term Irish priest was re- was redundant. You just yes. You just I I can go through all of our pastors, starting for me with Father Dignan um, mm-hmm. years ago, and uh, um, as they, and they were all from Ireland. There's a great story of Father Dignan that he uh, had a young priest who got a call to the hospital. Uh, some guy who was dying, and somehow somebody felt this man needed to see us. I needed a priest, so the young priest went to the hospital and went into the hospital room. And the man in the bed cussed him out and kicked him out. Hmm. And so he was in a state. So he went back to Father Dagnan and told him what happened. And Father Dagnan said, "Well, let's go back." <laughs> and so he they go back together. And as soon as they get out of the car, Father Dagnan has his holy water and he's showering holy water as he walks up to the front door and then he gets into the corridor and then he's up the corridor and he's firing this holy water left and right at everybody and spreading them all. And then he marches up the next, then he gets finally to the room and he splashes the fellow with holy water. (laughs) And the guy says, oh, thank God you came, Father. Oh, wow. No, anyway, I can see Father. Dignan I'd be a little bit that. embarrassed yeah. in the telling of the story, but uh, <laughs> the point is anyway that the Holy Water and the faith of Father Dignan yeah. oh, was uh, he wasn't going to give up uh, with uh, one turn uh, turn down. <laughs> that's great. That's that that does not surprise me at all. That, uh, yeah, he was a great man. Yeah, yeah little was, Paul. Yeah, yeah, he was a, he was a real force in, in my town. Of course, it was very small when he was there, but uh, yes. Um, and then I, I'm not sure where he went from there. I think maybe he went up north a little bit, but I'm. I uh, know uh, he was in Oroville. Or, I thought the Oroville. End. Yeah, that's that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where he, he passed away, and and uh, quite a long time gone now. But yeah, lovely man. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And then that's that's the kind of people that we were blessed with growing up, you know. Um, um, and I don't think he had any assistance. I don't think he had any. And of course, the church was the church that is now the Newman Center, uh, but it's a, yes. It's just that classic old brick with bell tower looks like a little church in the country, you know, and mm-hmm. it's still standing sort of barely. <laughs> it's, it, uh, the, the bricks need, need some work. Well, certainly for to have these uh, people like Father Dagnan or other priests uh, and those two who died, as I say, Father Riley and Father uh, Sullivan, uh, now in this month of November, as we pray for the dead and remember our loved ones, and and also, you know, that can be good for our own soul to think that we're not going to be around here forever, and that just need to be good, like the uh, man I mentioned long ago, right. way back, uh, having your book, your name in the book of life. It's uh, time to be checking that book. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Taking measures to get your name in there, you know. <laughs> That's right. Be sure they spell it right. Yeah. Because there's the old saying, you know, that uh, of the man who uh, used to go uh, visit the church uh, whenever he could. You know, that was a great tradition uh, when we were younger. You we went to the by going past the church, you ran in to say a little quick prayer. But anyway, the this man had uh, the story that whenever I pass the church, I always make a visit hmm. in case that when I'm carried in, the Lord will ask, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't want to be in that situation, Bob, where it has no. to develop a relationship with the Lord and that we know him and he knows us and a little prayer and using Advent well and prayer, uh, reconciliation, confession. So hopefully our listeners can uh, use the time well. It's always later than you think, you know, and uh, not to be uh, morose or anything, but certainly we do need to, uh, Advent is a great time uh, in November to think of eternal realities. Yeah, uh, like I'll come like a thief in the, in the night, you know. Yeah, indeed. Uh, it's never it's 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 never promised, but uh, yeah, we all we all I guess we all hope uh, uh, hope for a long life. And uh, I remember 
somewhere in the good book it says uh, honor your father and mother and you'll have a long life and i i i took that to heart when i was young <laughs> good good well that was good advice then and good advice now and and uh pray for a long life and a happy death of course and then to have confidence also in you know in eternal life and that we're all just like we celebrated the saints you know we all know people who are not canonized saints necessarily, but right. I'm sure you can think of a few people, maybe like Father Dagnan or right. Father others, who your mother, your grandmother, or uh, whoever you know, that neighbor who is a little saint. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I can. I yeah, I can think of of many people, and a, a saint doesn't doesn't have to be canonized to be a saint. Uh, that's just. Uh, Sort of the visible saints to you know uh, for mm -hmm. us to serve as role models, I guess for us. Although some of their lives are so heroic, I'm, I sometimes wonder. Um, you go, wow, could I? Could I? I look at uh, Maximilian Colby, and oh my goodness, some of those saints, what they did. It just well, you know, we had an example almost of that. It's not exactly the same, but. You notice that the great Cardinal Pierre Batista mm -hmm. offered himself as a yes. hostage. Uh, yes. uh, they didn't take him up on it, but I, I know uh, him a little bit, Pierre Batista, and Bishop Wiegand knows him. And, uh, sure. you know, that's a man you probably could have on again sometime to talk about the whole situation in the Middle East because Bishop Wiegand has a great understanding of that and appreciation mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. it. And he knows Pierre Batista and he knows. Bishop Vincent, uh, or Bishop William, who is also Bishop William, uh, the, one of the bishops there in Jerusalem. But uh, I remember when we met uh, Bishop Wigan and I met uh, Bishop Pierre Batista, as he was then, now Cardinal, uh, we are just so blessed to have him. Yeah, yeah. It's... And he's able to walk that tightrope between Palestinians and Jewish and speak peace, but also speak truth and... Just a blessed man, yeah. Yeah, and what a, what a, such a touch, tough situation there. You know, it's just like um, our, our our hearts go. I mean, uh, the our hearts go go out to everyone, and even uh, you know, even even that become in this divided world becomes a controversial statement almost. You know, and it's like, oh yes, you know, yeah. It's, it's well, God bless the situation, and as Bishop Wigan said one time. Only a direct act of God will sort that thing out. Oh, boy, yeah, that's that's right on the money. Yeah. Well, we pray for it, Bob, for sure. Yes, yeah, that's that's definitely to pray for that. It's, uh, I remember saying to my wife, you know, today I'm going to pray for, for peace there, obviously. I'm going to pray that every one of those hostages gets released. I'm going to, you know... And, and that's just that's just one little tiny element of the war, but it's obviously horrendous yeah. for those people in that situation. Maybe the only little bit of light in the thing would be, if, as President Biden said the other day, we cannot go ever go back now to October sixth. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. What happened on October seven has changed the matter completely, mm -hmm. and so I think all the parties there will have to reevaluate and look at a whole different way of doing things than have been done for the last 20 or 30 years. Now, how that'll work out, of course, you don't even know, but, but sometimes, you know, when something enormous shakes your life, you know, you lose a loved one or you lose your job or whatever it is, or you lose a leg or something, then, you know, you just, your life is never the same and you have to reorganize yourself in a different way. So hopefully, you know, maybe people will come to their senses out of this and say, what are we going to do to prevent this occurring again? But that's the optimist I would hope, but we pray for something good. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's it. I, I think sometimes we, we forget the, the, the power of prayer and the necessity of prayer and, uh, um, and, that's right now sitting sitting here in the United States, and you know we're, we're living our lives, and uh, uh, you can you can say, well, we've we've got it pretty darn good, and etc. And these people are really in in terrible peril or terrible suffering, mm -hmm. and we have to we have to 
to pray for them, pray, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, just, it doesn't mean we're any more blessed than anybody else is, you know, we're just, uh, I guess, quote unquote, fortunate to not be in that situation, but um, Indeed. it's, it's just horrendous. And then you look at what happened in Maine and uh, recently, and uh, you think, well, that, they're there, but for fortune go you or I, you know. Indeed, indeed. Yes, we have to pray and live the faith and try to bring, I mean, again, as some cardinal said in Rome, if everybody were to go to confession and confess their sins and turn to the Lord, then that would change the whole world. But we pray for that. Yes, indeed. You know, I, the other day I had uh, Jennifer Campbell on, and I was talking to her about the uh, uh, On Fire, the, the teenage event uh, for nine dioceses at, at Six Flags in Vallejo. And and they have a, a vocations carnival and they you know and they have food and they have mm-hmm. the holy mass and they have rides on the all all the, the great rides there at Six Flags. And she said the lines for confession were enormously long. And I just I I teenagers, you know, and mm-hmm. I, th- I thought this that is really wonderful. Yeah, very beautiful thing indeed. Uh, um, well, God bless them, and that's that's great. And I was just listening, reading an interview with a cardinal from uh, Holland uh, the other day, and he was saying, you know, that all we need to do is just keep living the faith and staying solid in the Lord. And things are difficult now, but you know, as we know in our lives, uh, things do change. Yep. And what you think is going to happen in sports or in God knows what, <laughs> yeah, doesn't happen. Doesn't uh, happen. Yeah. And uh, t- time changes everything. And uh, so, just uh, like you said a long, long time, moment ago, uh, faith doesn't change. And so we just keep at it and at it and at it. And maybe people will come to their senses eventually and see the beauty of uh, that this is where salvation is, not in things of the world yeah it's not of things of the world and it's but boy is it hard for us to give them up whether they're whether they're good things or whether they're hatreds or you know uh animosities uh, uh generational animosities it's it's hard for people to give those things up yes it's uh not easy yeah but god is with us all the time and now we have advent and christmas coming and Maybe that'll inspire us all to new heights. Yeah, with that, uh, uh, I, I will take that. I will take that home with me today, Father. And uh, as always, I, I just so appreciate having you on with us. And uh, thanks for always sharing your time and your wisdom and your insight and your good stories. And uh, yes, we'll, we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Probably at some well, time, some and... event. <laughs> oh, indeed, I'm sure this event's coming up. Well. Uh, a life center dinner is coming up, and then we have the big event coming up to celebrate the abbot, Abbot Thomas Davis. Oh, yes, right. All sorts of good stuff going on. So uh, life is full of great things, yeah. Indeed. Father, God bless you and all you do, and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, God bless you, Bob, and may Almighty God bless uh, all of our listeners now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks so much, Father. We'll talk to you again soon. You're welcome. God bless. Uh, we'll take a uh, we will uh, <clears throat> not take a quick break. We uh, tell you a little bit about uh, some of the things coming up here in the in the uh, diocese of Sacramento. Uh, open space dialogue for youth and young adult ministry Saturday, November eighteen, from ten a.m. to one p.m. A guest speaker will be Father Bong Rojas, uh, which means it's going to be lively. Um, $10 per person includes lunch, raffle prizes. This will all take place at St. Ignatius Parish, 3235 Arden Way in Sacramento. Also, this is this is a, a great opportunity for discernment. Is God calling you? St. Patrick's Seminary uh, down in the you know Menlo Park, a discernment retreat, January 26th to 28th. It's literally right around the corner now uh, of 2024. The conference is by the Most Reverend Thomas A. Daly, who is the Bishop of Spokane in Washington. 
Uh, must be a single man, 21 years or older. All meals and lodging are provided. Um, the uh, if For more information, contact uh, Maricela Smith, 916-733-0258. Um, or give her an uh, send her an email, msmith at scd dot org. Um, so and, and it just uh, <clears throat> again the uh, the uh, retreat for women uh, is tomorrow, November fourth, Saturday, November fourth. The Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry uh, invites women uh, eighteen and older to join for uh, join them for a day of prayer and reflection with Marie Pablo. Uh, the day will focus around the feminine genius and we'll di- dive into how we receive our identity and strength as a daughter of God. Again, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. November 4. Call Jennifer Campbell at 916-733-0135. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. Details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916 638 4600, that's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, longstanding support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. 
Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice, of America Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley and Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley and Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town, uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Bow down and worship him now. How great. 